Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. welcome to the London Podcast Festival for the launch of HMS Bugle episode 4043, live from the festival that celebrates the medium that has blasted more words directly into people's eardrums than any other medium apart from Bibles. The festival that even the great Genghis Khan himself could not stop happening. The festival that has Glastonbury quaking in its muddy, muddy boots. The Woodstock of the third millennium. Am I talking this up too much? The greatest cultural event in the history. Shut up, Andy. This is the latest visual version of our remorselessly audio-dependent show. Please now welcome your host, current world record holder for most appearances ever on The Bugle Podcast. No time winner of the British Snake Farmer of the Year Award, the face of London Fashion Week. Sorry, that's that's a Russian hack. Sorry. Live and in three of the world's top-ranked four dimensions, it's Andy, the Croissant of Desolation, Zlatsman. Zl- Audio newspaper for a visual world. Uh, hello, Buglers! Uh, there was one thing Chris told me not to do before the show, and that was talk over the bit where it says... You did it? Yeah, I did. It I was did. great. Right, I did talk over it, didn't I? No, no, I think you oh, really? well, I meant nailed it. it. Anyway, I mean, so, uh, low expectations. Uh, anyway, welcome, uh, welcome, Buglers. How are you all? Good. Uh, excellence. Welcome to the Bugle Live here at the podcast festival to end all podcast festivals, by which I mean there will probably be an even bigger one in just over two decades. Uh, I am, let me just check my details, Igor Alexeyevich Struskin. Sorry, that's my work ID uh, for my real job. I'm uh, Andy Zoltzman. We are here live at King's Place, London. <laughs> in London's glamorous King's Cross area. <laughs> this is the uh, seventh Bugle live show. Uh, doubling up as uh, Bugle issue 4043. Coincidentally, 4043, the atomic number of the recently discovered element Bugilium, um, <laughs> which was found down the back of the CERN Large Hadron Collider in Frank, Switzerland. Um, now thought by some scientists contain the essence of truth um, and others to be made up. You be the judge. Uh, 4043, also by coincidence, the number of people who actually ate the food at the feeding of the 5,000. Uh, of the uh, sell-out 5,000 crowd at the 30 AD Galilee Festival of Magic, Storytelling and Metaphors who'd uh, come to see uh, Jesus H. Christ uh, do his headline act. 957 of them uh, actually pissed off home uh, before the now rather tepid and soggy fish finger sandwiches uh, made it up to the cheap seats. Uh, some left even before the stage was invaded by the owner of a large burger van parked outside who shouted, you just put me out of business, you do-gooding f***ing hipster. Um, <laughs> Never mind water into wine. Perhaps you can turn my 5,000 uneaten burgers into whole, cold, hard cash. I've got bills to pay, and not all of us have daddy to bail us out. So, um, <laughs> that directly from the gospel, according to St. LaShawn. So, uh, welcome. Welcome to, uh, to The Bugle. Um, uh, so, who here has uh, listened to The Bugle before? <laughs> and who has not? <laughs> what? what are you doing here? Long hour ahead. Yes, some f- now, now that's become something of a hostage situation. Um, uh, welcome, we are recording this on the... You have to know the date when you come to these gigs. 
It is uh, the 17th of December. To <laughs> December, September. 17th of September, near enough. Uh, <laughs> to, uh, to prove it, has anyone seen today's newspaper? Yeah. Yep, there you go, that's the time code. A um, <laughs> uh, few anniversaries to go through. Uh, as always, the 15th of... Uh, sorry, the 16th of September, 1959, was the, uh, the launch of the first ever photocopier. Uh, which was tragic news for artists specialising in painting realistic-looking backsides. Um, <laughs> simply can't compete with the speed and convenience of modern technology. <laughs> Rembrandt, can I pull my trousers up now? What do you mean you don't think you've captured the light yet? Right, I think we've missed the moment. Everyone's gone on to the bloody nightclub. You have ruined my office party again, Rembrandt. Uh, on the 18th of September, 1947, the creation of the CIA... Uh, and just two days later, the renowned Dutch botanist and geneticist Jontina Thomas died in suspiciously mundane circumstances at the age of 76. <laughs> Join the dots, people. She was about to blow the bloody lid off the whole genetic makeup of chrysanthemums. Um, it's like Nicaragua all over again, but more so um, with plants. And um, uh, on this day, the 17th of September, 1787, was the signing of the uh, American Constitution. Uh, do we have any Americans here? Yes? Uh, fan of your Constitution? You've never read the whole thing? <laughs> People seem to argue about it an awful lot. Um, uh, well, to mark this uh, historic 230th anniversary, we have a special offer exclusively for our American uh, audience members here and listening at home, uh, your chance to uh, add a new amendment to your constitution. <laughs> Choose from the right to bear fruit. Um, <laughs> votes for the dead. <laughs> a reduction of the maximum presidential term to 48 minutes. <laughs> I think that would now have a lot, yes, a lot of appro approval for that. The prohibition on the manufacture of any more Alvin and the Chipmunks movies. <laughs> hope it goes better than alcohol. Uh, guaranteed provision of healthcare for all. Regardless of your income. Or your health. Just operations for everyone. One compulsory operation a year, like it or not. Let's have some equality in healthcare. Why is it only the ill who get to benefit? <laughs> Uh, the schedule being mapped out by Congress, uh, subject to approval, of course. Uh, 2018 is going to be the year of kidney transplants. Uh, 2019, varicose veins. 2020, caesareans for everyone. Uh, uh, 2021, a sympathectomy um, <laughs> to remove your sense of social sympathy. And uh, 2022, the forehead downlift uh, to make America frown more. So, um... <laughs> Also, uh, 100 years, so there's a lot of facts in the show for people who haven't been, uh, it's more of a history show these days. Um, 100 years to the day since the only documented use of unicycles in warfare. That was the uh, Battle of the Clowns on the Western Front, famously. Uh, ended in a stalemate when 200 German clowns got stuck in the same tank. And... Um, and... Uh, and uh, an outburst of heavy rain not only led to the allied clowns getting their massive shoes stuck in the cloying mud, but also dissolved the custard on their custard pies. So, uh, and uh, another anniversary here. Can anyone in this room tell me what happened on the 18th of September 2004? Anyone in this room? Yes? That's not the answer I've got here, darling. Uh, I'm afraid 
The answer I've got here is it was the South Africa v West Indies cricket match in the 2004 <laughs> Champions Trophy at the Oval. Sadly interrupted by rain and had to be finished the following day. That's uh, Who was that voice? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was my wife rather than just someone, <laughs> someone who knows an oddly large amount about me. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, our guests coming on uh, later on. One of them does know quite a lot. Anyway, um, so as always, a section of this bugle is going straight... In the ring! Testify! Um, <laughs> this week... <laughs> this week... London Fashion Week. Uh, in the bin, has anyone, has anyone been to anything at London Fashion Week yet? No? <laughs> I just don't think there is much of a democratic crossover. <laughs> between podcast fans and uh, fashion fans. Now, obviously, I am a, a, a fashion icon. Uh, and so, for those of, of you at home who can't see this, uh, this great visual extravaganza that is the live bugle, uh, I will now describe for our audio viewers at home exactly what I'm wearing. Chris, some music, please. Andy today is wearing a shirt and some trousers. He's accessorised these with socks and shoes. There you go, trendy and on points as always. Um, that section uh, is, uh, is in the bin. Uh, and it's time now to meet our guest. Do you have a jingle for bringing a guest on? Uh, yeah, which one are you bringing on first? Uh, I'm going to bring Helen on first. Okay, I think I've got it. All right, okay, I'll just introduce Should we just see first. what happens? So are you ready to meet our first guest? That is the correct answer. Well done, 10 points. Uh, and our first guest, uh, keeping it in the family. Sorry, keeping her in the family. Sorry, I went to an all-boys private school. Pronouns for non-male things I've had a lifelong struggle with. Um, anyway, she's... Uh, it's just the way we're taught. It's not right or wrong. Uh, don't judge me. Uh, it's, uh, anyway, she's epigrammatic, idiosyncratic, largely non-aquatic, occasionally undiplomatic. She's still living in my... Attic. <laughs> she simply. She. Not for much longer. She simply eats knowledge and belches it back up as podcasts. It's the quibbling sibling, the etymological lodger, the fount of all wisdom, the always active volcano of listenable lava with her pyropodclastic flow. It's Mount St. Helens, Altman! <laughs> Hello, Helen. Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. I think that was, that was some of your best work. <laughs> Thank you. Very proud. Right. Yeah, I had this music made specially for you. It's, 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 I'm going to keep it with me wherever I am. It's jaunty. Well, because you, you are about it's to It's hard go, to sleep, though. You, <laughs> you're about oh. to go uh, travelling around the world. So you might, you yeah. might need that music at some point to get you out of a tight spot with some Mexican drug lords. <laughs> well, you just put it on and they're instantly like, hey, <laughs> just let, let's, let's put our differences aside. I don't know how drug lords work. Um, and I don't know why I would ask you as the person even less qualified to explain a difficult drug lord situation. Have you got any village cricket experience you could draw on for uh, an awkward interpersonal exchange? Uh, yeah, loads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll try and translate that into a much more violent context and oh, right, uh, okay. see if that helps. Are you saying Mexican drug lords are like village cricketers? 
Well, I'm just trying to think of the most identifiable thing in your experience, which well. is really limited to that and nothing. <laughs> uh. Zing. Anyway, uh, it's uh, time to, uh, jo uh, to meet our second guest, also joining us, but sharing considerably less DNA with me than uh, our, our other guest. Our other sibling is here as well. Um, so you do have the three Zaltzman siblings in. All oh, right, we'll have to get so up, up, up on stage later on. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is not the man I'm introducing now. Uh, partly, uh, yeah, he has much less DNA, partly because he's been taking blood transfusions from a shark to make himself better at swimming. Um, <laughs> also, Helen is someone uh, whom I've never been sitting next to in Tunbridge Wells Assembly Rooms when he has absolutely annihilated his nappy. Um, <laughs> so this again. At least... Not yet. Uh, <laughs> I'm delighted maybe maybe to you should take him to the panto this year and just see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old was I at the time? Uh, three months. I think that's excusable. If it had been when I was like ten, then that would have been embarrassing. You certainly did not like brass band music, judging from that. I think, if anything, I liked it too much. <laughs> uh, all the way from Mumbai, India... Uh, in Britain, for a short time only, to reclaim a sizable chunk of the British Museum. <laughs> it's uh, comedian, screenwriter, and human encyclopedia, Anuvab Pal. <laughs> Hello. Hello, Andy. Hello. Hello, Anuvab. <laughs> Hello. Um... You got your name there, just just so you can you can. Oh, massive. Yeah. yeah, look at that. I wish I was literate. Yeah, this would have helped. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, last uh, last time we spoke, you were in uh, dire city. You were basically clinging to a giant polystyrene statue of Sachin Tendulkar, and floating through Mumbai during the, during the recent floods. Yeah, so that, that's correct, Andy. That's why I'm, I'm looking a little nervous. This wasn't a planned trip. Right. <laughs> The Arabian Sea came into my house and I just washed up on your shores. <laughs> you guys went the other way voluntarily. <laughs> Top story this week and more rockets. Um, another week, another rocket launch. This time, any guesses who fired it? Uh, yeah, it was everyone's... Uh, the man described by Donald Trump just today as the rocket man in... Uh, uh, an, an unusually sensitive tweet from uh, from uh, from Trump, and uh, he uh, he fired it. Uh, there was I mean that's that's him. Uh, I mean with a little. I mean he, he does love a weapon. Uh, it's uh, so I mean have you have you been enjoying the uh, in India? How have you been enjoying? Because you're you know pretty close to it there. You've been enjoying the uh, <laughs> nuclear nuclear brinkmanship of the. Uh, it, here's the thing, Andy. Yeah. Um, and it has to do with attention. Right. I think that if you're trying to grab the world's attention, having a nuclear bomb helps. Right. <laughs> because you could always fire it and say, look at me. And then we look at it, and it's not big enough, then he fires a bigger one. Right. That's always good. And we've got a few of them. Okay. But, you know, I think that we've never needed to use it because we have enough problems right. to get out into the world. <laughs> We either have a flood or like parts of cities collapsing, so we don't need to launch anything. Oh, so they're just too comfortable that they have to uh, create a little tension. Yeah, yeah. That, is that, it's all, is it's that all a narrative thing. Yes, is that supposed to be reassuring or not? 
I mean, Helen, you, you are as I said, about to travel all around the world. Well, it depends if it's still existent in a few months. Right. Uh, it is, uh, and, and while this was happening, uh, yes. India and uh, Japan were hammering out uh, a crucial trade deal for a very exciting development in the history of Indian Railway. That's correct. Um, we've done a lot with the railway since you left. <laughs> You're welcome. We laid the groundwork. Indeed. In that, we rode the trains. That's what we did. <laughs> left the trains. We haven't bought any new trains, which is fine. A couple of hundred years is fine. Not much has happened in the railways in that time. <laughs> but now we've decided to buy some trains from Japan, some bullet trains. And one of the good things... <laughs> there you go. That's, that was how I got here last week. That's <laughs> good. It was useful. Um, so we had, we had some of these, and now we're upgrading straight to the bullet trains. Now, last month we had four train accidents on these. So only now, four? Yeah, only four. But in, wow. in a, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. We're competing with some of the best. But um, now we decided to go for bullet trains, which is good, because if you can't ensure safety, at least you've got speed. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really know why people are laughing, because I think that's a good infrastructural argument as any. <laughs> it is very much an either-or choice, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Are they going to have doors or not? Because... Um, Tradition, I mean, that would be abandoning a hundred years of tradition on Indian Railway. We don't insist on things like that. You see, in the Western Hemisphere, you're very particular about certain things. <laughs> Roofs, doors, tickets. <laughs> We're not. When you've got a billion people, you're just like, oh, fuck it, just come in. <laughs> Couldn't be bothered. Um, uh, what about, Indi I mean, do Indian submarines have the same attitude to <laughs> doors or not? Yeah, pretty much, pretty oh, much. We, uh, which is why we haven't fought a naval war ever. <laughs> <laughs> Basic logistics. Um, so uh, now, obviously, the um, uh, so Modi. Uh, so the the new bullet train line yes. is going from Mumbai to your prime minister's home state, essentially. To his hometown. To his home. To yeah. his house. Is yeah. it basically? So we're not sure if it's for commuting or for a quick getaway. <laughs> When things said rough in New Delhi, we're not sure. Um, and he was also in the news this week because uh, 160,000 uh, primary schools in Uttar Pradesh have had to open today, Sunday, because it is Prime Minister Modi's birthday. Yes, and that's, it's his birthday. Lots of schools are open on Sunday. I, I'm shocked that that's not a custom in your country. <laughs> I'm shocked. You guys have lots of great leaders. Boris Johnson, for example, if he had his birthday, I'm surprised there isn't a curfew for a whole week. <laughs> But yeah, schools are, <laughs> schools are open, you have to go to school, and that's what a true democracy is. It's his birthday, you have to go in, cut a cake, even if you can't spell, read or write, <laughs> you have to do that. So, I mean, that's basically the main thing on the Indian curriculum, appears to be birthdays of famous people. Because there was a, a local politician from Uttar Pradesh complaining uh, that the 220-day academic session had been reduced to only 120 days <laughs> due to public holidays caused by marking the death, of famous, death or birth of famous people. That's correct. We've got a long history. We also have 33,000 gods. <laughs> That's really hedging your bets, isn't it? Yeah. So you have to really discriminate right. if you want a bank open, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That sort of thing. So we're, we're very careful. But this guy went for it. He decided to just call, call on all the holidays. Yeah. My school used to give us ice cream on Lord Baden-Powell's birthday, the yeah, founder of the Scouts, which is in February. So we would be lined up outside in the sleet 
waiting to eat a cold thing. It was quite an old-fashioned school, so of course they made a celebration seem like a punishment. (laughs) This is the English way. Uh, So it's Theresa May's birthday coming up uh, in two weeks, the 1st of October. Um, Helen, how how do you think we should be marking this? Do you think we should be forcing children to just go in and weep into a bucket? (laughs) Just just, uh, send them to dig their own graves. I could guarantee you, Andy, 160,000 schools in India will still be closed for the reason <laughs> We just have time for a little bit more Asia history news. Japan's emperor deposed atop Mount Fuji. That was a haiku. It's, it's, it's really early for that. Nail the dismount as well. Times like this, Andy, where I'm not sure I'm glad you gave us the English language. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to uh, uh, the Gravedigger of the Year Award. Helen, you are our official gravedigging correspondent. Yes, Uh, finally my ship comes in. (laughs) Uh, Yes, the red carpet report from the sixth annual Oscars of the Funeral Industry, which have just been awarded for this year. The Good Funeral Awards 2017 took place in Bournemouth. The the winners received a statue in the shape of the Egyptian Egyptian god of embalming, Anubis, in a miniature cardboard coffin. And uh, I was quite excited about Gravedigger of the Year, Andy, because for once a woman was nominated. Um, But she did not win, so my hopes for progress were... (laughs) dashed yet again, uh, but they have categories such as the Anatomical Pathology Technician of the Year, the Most Helpful Funeral Advice Website, Coffin Supplier of the Year, Best Death-Related Public Engagement Event, Um, and this year there were five exciting new categories, including Most Promising Trainee Funeral Director, and... A what to do with the ashes category, and somehow arrange an international cricket tournament did not win it. <laughs> well, this is a historic moment. Uh, that is the first time Helen has voluntarily mentioned cricket. <laughs> um, I, I mean, just in terms of the, is this the winner? Is this the yes, it grave is. Dig? I mean, to be honest, looking at this, they don't appear to be really rewarding flair. <laughs> I mean, that's just your bog standard rectangulars, deep and rectangular. I mean, where's the Where's the recognition of someone trying to take the, the art form forward? You know, like a, have like a well, you know, splat legs and arms akimbo. It's like the Oscars, Andy. Sometimes an avant-garde thing wins best film and sometimes it's just a plodder. Right. And uh, maybe this year you've got convention because they didn't want to have to award a woman. Um. <laughs> One female director has ever won an Oscar. What? That's uh, not relevant. But anyway. <laughs> Fair point. So what we're looking at is the moonlight of Gravediggers. <laughs> Yeah, Thank you for catching on a minute later. That was lovely. <laughs> film watchers. I think still people tend to want convention in their funeral arrangements, or at least accept convention, Andy. So maybe a two-foot circular grave just didn't work <laughs> due to its incompatibility with the current human body. But with evolution, <laughs> we could get there in time. But I mean, what, what, spherical coffins. What's the? Just uh... like pop it in. <laughs> just uh, slam dunk it in. Two sporting references. One more and she will explode. Well, it's your birthday soon, so... Uh. 
Um, I mean, I do worry. I mean, what's the future now? I mean, the pressure of being undertaker, you know, grave digger of the year. That's, I mean, that's hard to deal with, isn't it? I mean, he's going to... I mean, surely there's just going to be the odd you know, bit of spade work that just has a bit... is not quite straight enough, isn't it? I mean, can you, can you sustain that level of performance year on year? Well, when you're at the top, the only way is down. That's a sad reflection. Especially for... when you're digging ground. <laughs> uh, I just thought, I think I mean, he's probably going to be a uh, big money transfer. It's going to be bought by some Russian oil tycoon. Yeah. And, um... Maybe he'll start digging swimming pools. Yeah, I guess it's quite a transferable skill, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> just... Although, m- more so if you've been digging mass graves rather than individual ones. <laughs> Cost of skill. Yeah. <laughs> Economics. A quick Brexit update now, and uh, are you Brexit fans? Uh, uh, give me a cheer if you voted remain. Yay! Give me a cheer if you voted leave. Well, it appears this room is not entirely 100% representative <laughs> of the United Kingdom as a whole. Uh, uh, we are rich beyond our wildest dreams. That's the latest, oh, which is cool. good news. In what? Well, Bitterness? To, uh, folly? Well, Delusion? I don't know. Which... Well, as long as that bitterness, folly and delusion is bringing us £350 million a week, uh, according to no lesser source than the ruthlessly objective uh, Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson, uh, who uh, now... uh, (laughs) uh, Now, according to the Times newspaper, our former sister publication, um, uh, they're talking about Boris reviving the Brexit dream team Getting the old gang back together for one last job. Um, Michael Gove uh, jo- uh, joining him. So, and, and he said that we can get this £350 million a week of pretend money that was plastered on the sides of, of buses. I don't know if you, you saw this. You? Yeah, well, I have a question about that, Andy. Yeah. As, as an outsider, I'm always quite fascinated by economics written down on buses. <laughs> <laughs> So we have a little I, mean, great... I don't know, I really, just as an outsider, we don't have that, you know, we don't have that. And I was just thinking, could you just extend that to general economics? Could you have a bus that says, this is supply-side economics, and just write stuff? <laughs> and I have a second question about Brexit. Okay. Um, I, I don't know much about it, but it just seems like it has something to do with... Uh, because I've, I've known, you know, we've known English people to be explorers. Yes. That's a generous term. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 200, 300 years ago, you showed up in... in just explored. Yeah. Just had a, just had a bit of an explore. Yeah. And stayed. No harm, no foul. Yeah. <laughs> fair point, fair point. Yeah. Was, I wasn't going there, but we should. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. That's, but, that's what the English said as well. Wasn't going there, but... <laughs> yeah. Wherever my privilege takes me. Yeah. So you came all the way, 200 years ago, all yeah. the way, in the town, I'm from Calcutta, hometown, uh, there was nothing there, absolutely nothing, villages, some 1750s, lots of naked people, and you built a massive statue to Queen Victoria. All right. And a lot of locals were confused. <laughs> because they were walking around saying, who's that lady? We don't know, she's important in another country. That's well, it's the great British way, you put, put up a f***ing massive statue somewhere, people will pay attention. <laughs> we paid attention. That work for the Romans. Yeah. Yeah. She was holding a staff of some sort. Right. So we thought there was important flags, everything. So that was great. So you did all that, you know, 200 years ago, and now it seems that, uh, that there seems to be some hesitation to cross the English Channel. That right. Yeah, maybe we just got it out of our system. And, 
yeah, you know, pres- appreciated home comforts a bit more. You know? Yeah, precisely. So it just seems like from the voting patterns, older people voted. So I just as an outsider, I was just confused. I was thinking maybe older people went to the world, realized it's shit. <laughs> came back and said, we'll save young people the trouble. Right, so basically, it was, Brexit vote was the aftermath of a communal national gap year. <laughs> are you, in which are you, we found ourselves and didn't much like what we found. Are you saying that the Leave voters were 200-year-old colonialists? Psychologically, yes. Right. <laughs> oh, I get it. Uh, but Boris has insisted that Brexit, this is great news for everyone, by the way, uh, will allow the United Kingdom to be, quote, the greatest country on earth. Which, uh, I mean, it's awesome news. But... Did he provide metrics? Uh, uh... Well, this is always a problem with the greatest country on earth, shtick. It's quite hard, quite hard to prove it. I mean, to be honest, it's a bit negative. I don't know why he's restricted it to just earth. <laughs> Most typical negative politicians. We should be the greatest country in the universe. Um, but also, I-, I thought we already were, because Tony Blair said so, and David Cameron said so. So at what point did we drop down the f***ing rankings, Helen? Again, it's hard to stay at the top, Andy. Right. Gravediggers and Britain. The, the great problem with judging how great a nation is, as you say, is the, is the metrics. And uh, the United Nations, interestingly, are introducing a new scheme uh, so we can properly objectively judge what the greatest nation in the world is. And they are learning from sport, which obviously has inbuilt structures for fairness. So, um, <laughs> you will, uh, so like in gymnastics and diving, you lose the best and worst marks from, uh, uh, from your scores, and they average out the rest. It's going to be this, that to, to judge how great nations are from now on, a country will lose both its worst atrocity and its greatest achievement, and then average out the rest to find out how great they are. So under this new scheme, Spain, for example will lose both the systematic extermination of indigenous peoples in South America, but it will also lose the siesta. Uh, <laughs> would, would Picasso have been so good at painting if he hadn't been properly arrested? Of course he wouldn't. And uh, also under this scheme, Britain will lose both the British Empire and the British Empire. So, uh, well, but, and also old, uh, f- this is direct from Boris Johnson, old friendships with Commonwealth countries will be renewed. Friendships. Now, friend, I mean, friendships. in terms of the friendship our two nations have enjoyed. It was completely fair. Yeah. <laughs> Balanced. I mean, is there, is there any, is there any like, like minor changes to the way we conduct our, our global friendships that you'd like to see this time around? Maybe open fire on slightly fewer crowds in confined spaces or steal less grain? I think, you know, just to, I just think this time around, if there's some sort of commitment, that would be nice. Either you're staying or going, that would help. Right. Not coming would help as well. Okay. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just always, make a note of that. always welcome. Uh, it's like there are some friends you're just glad when they don't come to your birthday party. And stay back in your house. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they either don't leave on time or they don't turn up. Stay in the attic, maybe, for a year or so. (laughs) I continually feel I'm in the middle of a family dinner party. (laughs) I think, is it nearly time for the Q&A, Chris? Uh, Yeah, why not? Uh, uh, So let's, uh, Chris, uh, we're going to do an audience Q&A, question-and-answer session. Uh, uh, which has always been a part of the Bugle live shows. And uh, to make this uh, a little bit different, we're going to ask the questions and you have to answer them. Uh, so, uh, Helen, have you got a question for the audience? Um, when did you last cry and why? 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> Got it. Right. Uh, so who, who's going to put their hand up to answer that? No, no one. No one. Is, you just can't, you're just going to have to pick someone in the crowd, Chris. Chris, uh, he's a trained triathlete, so this is, uh, this is, this is safe. Between one and five, please. Five. Five. Right. So Chris is now walking to the fifth seat. I think he's just going to sit down. Right. What, why did you last cry? And, answer the question! Oh. Release the files! I, 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 I can't remember the last time I cried. Boo. You heartless he bastard. Oh, oh. Because you've I erased do. it. I do. Uh, listening to a moth episode on the way to work. All right. Oh, podcast then. Yeah. I was wondering if it would be now. Only on the inside. Uh, uh, do you have a question for the... Uh, yeah, I'm curious. It's a very well-travelled audience. I'm always curious to know. Um, if, uh, for those that haven't been to India, if, you'd, if you go, what's the one place you want to see and why? The Ganges. The Ganges? The river. Right? Yes. Yeah. It's quite dirty. <laughs> but welcome. It's long. It's still there. Right. still there. We've still got some water left. Yeah. Um, the good thing is that we're big followers of Donald Trump, so we don't believe in climate change. Right. <laughs> so we're just letting it dry up on its own. But it's still there. If, you're, if you come by next week, we'll still have it. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll take some questions from you. Who's got, who's got a question for, for the panel today? When's the next pun run? When's the next pun run? I, could, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I couldn't possibly say. Couldn't, uh, couldn't possibly. Yes, question down here. Helen, have you signed a lease? <laughs> I believe uh, a lease was uh, signed in genetics when I was born. That's good. That's good. I just yeah. reneged on the first 36 years of it and then uh, took up possession. I hope you haven't eaten our uh, supply of Armageddon food that we've been keeping up there. I just knew you were a prepper. <laughs> I'm... That was a sensational move. What are we giving that for an uh, artistic impression? It's probably more for Andy than for everyone else, but um, on Friday, Essex won the county championship for the first time in 25 years, despite everyone saying they were going to be relegated. Is this another sign that the apocalypse is coming? All right. Well, Chris, Chris here is a, he's a hardcore yes. Essex cricket fan. Uh, the answer is yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Well, because the last time Essex won the championship was... Uh, 92. Uh, 92, and uh, there were loads of apocalypses knocking around then. Uh, well, didn't we fall out of the exchange rate mechanism in 1990? It, it basically is the harbinger of economic catastrophe. So, thank you, Essex. Um, and uh, in, in the late 80s, our eldest brother, Rick, um, told the child that was me um, that the world was going to end in 1992. So I spent like four years really petrified. <laughs> really? I've never heard you say that before. It's, I'm only just now coming to terms with it. Right. He said the world rather than your world. <laughs> That's absolutely critical in a, in a sentence like that. A couple more. Chris, move it, mate. But this, is what, this is what he trains for. We haven't really thought through the geography of this building. If the use of food banks is a sign of a, a fully functional and, and marvellous society, what else have the Tories gifted us of late? How else can we see that things are going brilliantly? Well, food banks are awesome, I think. Uh, it just shows the great British sense of irony um, that uh, people who have been left uh, with nothing have to go and collect their food from organisations uh, named after the institutions that essentially <laughs> created the catastrophe that has uh, ruined their lives. I think that shows what a witty nation we are at heart. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, what's, do, you, do you have food banks in... Uh, in well, I mean, that, that would require organisation. Right, because I, mean, I, know, I know at times of British history we did basically use India as our food bank. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was quite a bit coming through, yeah. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think, I think the, the, the thing about empire is a complicated relationship, but I think in it, the main thing was that we were really surprised you know, because when, when you guys showed up first, you know, you said, oh, we'd like to live here. We were just shocked that anyone would. <laughs> and they said, we want to build stuff here. Initially, we were like, oh, go ahead. You build roads and so go ahead. But then when the food started leaving, that was a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, hope, uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been great to be here at uh, King's Place, of course, right next to the uh, King's Cross and Pancras Station, which, of course, boasts a record number of uh, <laughs> different... <laughs> Well, it's a record number of different London, uh, London Underground lines going through it. Um, six in total out of the total of 11. Uh, and this year, of course, is the 154th anniversary of the Tube System opening. And uh, they had a uh, massive party that I went to recently, and the, uh, the uh, Prime Minister was hosting it. And um, we just got chatting. It was a bit awkward. And uh, uh, so we were just making conversation about the Tube and stuff. And uh, I said, well, uh, you know, can you uh, tell me your favourite food shop? selling cold meats and cheese. <laughs> and uh, Theresa May said, oh, I can't do that, I really, really can't do that. I said, I said go on, uh, pick a deli. There was a colleague of mine, a uh, famous, uh, famous uh, TV satirist, I won't say his name because it's a bit embarrassing story, but uh, he just started, uh, started satirising stuff at this, uh, this party, uh, particularly reality-based TV. He had a real pop at it. He districtly. <laughs> and then, uh, then really started going after uh, ancient fairy tales and sofas. He hammers Smith and settees. <laughs> Uh, but How everyone, many tube stations are there? There are hundreds on no, there. No, no, this is just... We're not li- getting out of it's here. Just the, uh, it's just the tube lines, if you've been paying attention, Helen. No, uh, I... It's just the tube lines. There are a finite, I, number, I, of, there are a finite number of tube lines. And, uh, I do, no, they're not. There's <laughs> an, it's, this is an infinity amount of punning about tube lines. I'm, I'm just thinking, two more, and I wish the French had invaded us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, everyone was there. Everyone was there at the party, including dead people. Uh, That's how uh, good this party was. There were Ouija board. The writer of Brideshead revisited the former lead singer of the Velvet Underground, and uh, even from the uh, ranks of the alive, the actor who played B.A. Baracus in the A-Team, recently knighted, of course, by the Queen for his services to fool pitying. Everyone was there, from Waterloo and Sir T. Water- <laughs> Sir T. Form- formerly Mr. T, of course. Um, the uh, notes on the exhibits, uh, this uh, exhibition, were uh, very interesting. Uh, though I didn't like the layout, uh, all right justified for no reason. It would have been better left justified like normal text, although I prefer it equally spread either side of the middle. I like to centre a line. <laughs> um, and they had a uh, previous winner of another reality TV show, uh, The Great British Bake Off, uh, who'd made this amazing cake in the shape of the first ever toilet from the London Underground. I thought, wow, I never thought I'd see anyone bake a loo. <laughs> um, but, um, it was, uh, it was part of, a, part of a baking competition. In fact, I thought, well, no one's going to beat that. We've got a clear victor here. Uh, but Theresa May wasn't so sure. She said, do you believe so? Uh, and I said, I said, yeah, yeah, I certainly do. Uh, uh, I'm so anyway, sorry. Uh, we, um, <laughs> this is becoming like a Bollywood film. This yeah, is- it's, it's, uh, very ne- don't worry, we're very nearly done. Uh, and... Uh, 
But anyway, there was a woman there. She'd been on the sunbed for far too long, uh, wearing a fishnet body stocking by mistake. Uh, I said to Theresa May, did you meet her? And she said, yes, I met her, appalling town. I met metropolitan town. <laughs> metropolitan, metropolitan. Right, done. To be honest, you're lucky, because I didn't get around to doing the Northern Line one. So, uh, 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 now, and now the nuclear threat has really been put into perspective, well, exactly. I think. I do not want to go over ground that I've covered before as well. So, um, but, uh, I've been here three days and I think I just saw your city. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, anyway, so that, that's it. That's all the tube lines, apart from the Northern Line. I mean, make up your own for that. Because uh, uh, I didn't want to do all the rest. Uh, you know, the thing about driverless trains, uh, the other day I was reading this story about uh, how they affect the uh, airflow on the pet walking path next, next to it. Uh, so when you throw your pets in the air as a train whooshes past, well, your cat lands right by your feet, but your um, dog lands slight way away. <laughs> Thank you. Right. It's a... Uh, we can get him. Fortunately, fortunately, both of my guests are about to leave the country. Uh, so uh, I think it's probably... Uh, uh, thank, thanks so much for coming. Helen, you look genuinely uh, distressed. <laughs> and Paul, luckily you'll be away for Christmas, so we'll have forgotten about this by the time we uh, next to each other. I don't know. I think they'll just uh, be scarring still at Christmas. I think you'll still be going at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like this stops when you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> so. Anyway, uh, you're in, in London for a few more days? I am, but I've just come to realise that a large portion of the British people know a lot about your private life <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's been great, great to be here, thanks very much to King's Place for having us uh, Thanks, please show appreciation for your guest tonight Helen Zaltzman <laughs> Anubhav Pal Chris Skinner I've been Andy, thank you very much, Good night. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.